Welcome, welcome. It is another week and another brand new episode on the Granny Panty Podcast. I'm your host, Ruby Lynn. I would love it if you could follow me on all my socials at rubylynn.com. That's R-U-B-Y-L-Y-N-N-E.com. I'd also love for you to click follow, subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to leave comments. I love your feedback. My guest this week is an adult industry attorney. He's been in the business on and off since 2006. I'm excited for him to tell us how he got his start and his connection to the adult industry and also get some updates on new legislation that's trying to be pushed through, any updates on paperwork. Help me welcome Corey Silverstein. So this week we have Corey Silverstein in the house. I am so excited to have an expert in the legal field here. I have lots of questions. I did reach out to my viewers and my fans to and peers to get some questions. So I'm excited to have you, Corey. Thanks for taking the time. The pleasure is all mine. I'm actually a huge fan of your podcast. Um, mm. And uh, some people call me Corey Silverstein, though, like Frankenstein. Okay. So, you know, just in case you wanted to, like, you know, pronounce my name correctly. Okay. Okay. It was a joke. (laughs) I don't know. You know, maybe it's that East Coast, West Coast uh, slang. (laughs) You know, I I gave up a long time ago on trying to correct people because they just, you know, I've been called everything from Silverstein to Silverstein to asshole, bloodsucker, (laughs) um, you know. (laughs) one step in the grave lawyer. I mean, you know, right. it's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Just don't call you late for dinner. No. Well, I'm, I'm kind of fat these days. So I, could probably, <laughs> I could probably skip a couple dinners actually. So. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I want to start off. I've seen you speak at several events and uh, online forums, but Really, I want to get to the heart. I want to start off and find out how did you get into the business to serve the adult industry? Where did that oh, come from? Do you want the real story that I usually don't tell? Yeah, I want the truth. The truth. Okay. So um, my venture into the adult <laughs> entertainment industry is actually quite unique. Um, most people don't know the story, um, so it's kind of cool that you're asking. Um I was always a uh, kind of a computer dork, you know, I was always uh, internet interested in the the evolution of the internet. And, you know, I I started surfing the web at a very young age, using my dial up squeaky modem, making all sorts of noises and such. Um, As I kind of went through life, I ended up uh, in undergrad, I I studied computer technology. And so that was really my my focus. Um, When I got out of undergrad, uh, when I graduated, it was kind of a time where, uh, quite honestly, the, uh, the the tech the tech bust had just happened, and so, you know, people, you know, with uh, advanced skills in computer technology weren't exactly that highly needed. So I was like, all right, well, I better keep on going on my venture. So I decided to go to law school, and while I was in law school, I actually, you know, was like, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if I could, you know, make a living to be able to pay these uh, law school tuition bills. 
And so I was always, you know, inter interested in, in computer technology. And I mean, I was also very interested in pornography. What, 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 what young man in his, right. in his, in his early twenties wouldn't be. And uh, so um, by chance, I actually, uh, I, I was able to get introduced to uh, an individual who um, had some experience in, in the adult entertainment industry. Unfortunately, that first individual actually completely ripped me off. Oh, and, no. And, you know, and I borrowed uh, my last dollar to be able to um, invest with him to buy a business. It was a, it was a complete uh, sham. We actually ended up going to court and ultimately uh, I won court. Um, but the interesting thing is that during that time that this bad happened, I actually met another individual. His name's Brad Mitchell. Brad uh, owned uh, Mojo Host. That's what he is. Oh, yeah. He's, that's what he's kind of known for. Um, and at the time, though, um, Brad was in an interesting situation where he wanted to focus on running his hosting business. And mm -hmm. he actually had, though, uh, an affiliate program and 33 pay sites called Sendbox. Wow. And so Brad said, hey, you know what, Corey, you want to get into the adult entertainment industry and your first deal was a complete disaster and you got ripped off. So I want to help you. And ultimately, I bought Sinbucks and all of the pay sites from Brad. And then I went through law school running Sinbucks and running um, these 33 pay sites. Um, so I That's did all that. Awesome. Yeah, I, I actually I think it's pretty cool that, you know, the joke <laughs> I always the joke I always made is, you know, I, I went to uh, University of Detroit Mercy, which is considered a uh, private mm -hmm. Catholic school. And I just, you know, I find it kind of funny that my tuition tuition checks were coming from, uh, you know, um, bucks. from Sinbucks and some interesting, <laughs> uh, some interesting sites. So it's kind of a fun story. But uh, <clears throat> so that was my th that was my entry. And, and in, in law school, I took a, a, a great interest in criminal defense and constitutional mm -hmm. law. And so when I graduated law school and I ultimately said, you know what, why don't I continue this venture? And and instead of you know, being the guy um, getting paid for this stuff. How about I end up being the lawyer for everyone who I met? And I, yeah. So I, I started off with just a few adult entertainment clients and built it up and built it up. And so, long story short, or short story long, depending on how you know if you're still listening. That's how I you know ultimately made the the jump into being an adult entertainment lawyer. The cool thing is that I'm told that I, uh, as far as I know, I am the only. Uh, I'm the only uh, lawyer on the planet that has ever gone from being an adult entertainment website operator to being an adult entertainment lawyer. So pretty cool that there's something in this world that I'm the only one of. So there you go. Very unique. And where is Sinbucks today? Is it gone? Sinbucks, I sold. I actually I, I sold it back to Brad. Um, mm -hmm. I think Brad, it, it ran for a little bit lo longer, but then ultimately Brad started selling it off piece by piece because the domains were quite valuable. But um, that also became the beginning of the tube era. All of the pace, all yes. of the, the sites were pay websites. And right <laughs> about then, I believe YouPorn was the first one mm -hmm. that started happening. So the era of the pay site was wrapping up. So um, Sinbucks ultimately, um, I think Brad sold off the, the assets. Um, and of course, paid all the affiliates because that's one of the things that uh, we always believed in. We didn't just shut it down and run away. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, but yeah, but the, the name Sinbox and all of its associated branding and stuff is <laughs> still owned. It's still in the the Brad Mitchell catalog. So that's I was so very, cool. Yeah, I was very proud to have been able to uh, to spend some time doing that. So the burning question is: Have you ever shot content? Have you made no. your own content? No. Uh, no, no. I, I, I can. I, I have. I have paid others to shoot content <laughs> for the website. I was not a performer in the site. Um, uh, I have uh, neither the courage. Um, I, honestly, the the very thought of it is making me turn twenty forms of red right now. Yeah, so. I was gonna say. I think I managed to get your cheeks a little pink, but you know, that's like your next step. That's where you're gonna. <laughs> I. <laughs> I doubt that. Um, I, you know, it might be one of those things where it's like, I, I, I think like, I, I don't think I'd make a very good OnlyFans page. Like, I, I don't really think anyone would subscribe, you know? Oh, I do. I'd subscribe. I think it'd be great. I, maybe if I was doing content where I just <laughs> sit and talk and bore you to death so that you could sleep at night, <laughs> that's probably my next venture into, you know, content creation. That's so funny. I just had to throw that at you. Throw a little well, loop no, there. Listen, listen I, I appreciate it. I actually take for it. Listen, from someone <laughs> as, as big of a star as you are, I consider it a compliment. I consider it a compliment. So, <laughs> and, and you made me turn four shades of red. So, you know, no what? star here, no star here. <clears throat> but talking about the legal end of it, so I have a whole bunch of questions for you. What is your most requested service? So, what do people hire you the most for? Is it like uh, taking down content, going after somebody because of leaked content, or what? What do you get the most requests for? It, you know, it's a great question, and it's it's time frame based because you know when I started fifteen years ago, companies like OnlyFans didn't exist. So the sort of questions that that I received and legal issues I was handling back then were totally different than what they are now. Back then. Most performers were in a conventional uh, situation where a director or producer would come, come along, the performer would be hired, the shoot would occur. That was the end of the that was the end of the relationship. Where you know, mm -hmm. nowadays performers are their own producers, directors, you know, marketing, <laughs> everything, everything. So it, it, you know. So it's changed over the years. Um, you know, right now I can tell you that I, I you know, I, I'm representing a ton of large, um, um, call them fan style sites. Uh, so, so a lot of the the sites that involve user submitted content, and so the range of inquiry that we're getting right now, I, I'm working with platform operators, those that are oh. uh, platforms to make them. Um, and all the legalities they have to deal with. Uh, then, of course, I deal with uh, smaller uh, producers who are, you know, maybe doing uh, smaller on-your-own businesses, and uh, they're needing proper legal documentation, proper performer contracts, collaboration agreements. Uh, they want to learn how to how to properly keep uh, two two five seven records. Um, and then, of course, I still deal with just a ton of clients who. Uh, get in trouble. They get sued for ah. something. They get a subpoena from some division of the U.S. government or another foreign government. And they don't know what to do. I help them deal with all that. So it's really a plethora. And, and, it, and it's a great question because it makes me think that it's, you know, what 
what the hot button issue mm -hmm. in terms of what people are asking me for today could be completely different in a week from now. Right, right. Interesting. But that's, but that's the cool part of the internet. And that's the cool part of our business. because <clears throat> Our business has evolved so much that it's, frankly, it keeps things really exciting. Yeah. And you're right. Every week it's some new thing coming up, you know, whatever that could be. Which brings me to um, one question I have. I'm really bad about following a lot of the legislation and that kind of thing because I just, everything's so negative and I tend to want to shut out all the negative. But I was saving this to have you enlighten us about this age verification issue that I'm seeing everywhere. Twitter, people are sharing, people have opinions about it. Tell us what the ramifications are if all these states do implement this age verification. Yep. So two good, two, two cool things in there, by the way. The first cool thing is that I have an idea that I hope someone does eventually out there, because I'm like you. I, I think the inundation of bad news is like is so bad for the human soul. Yeah. And so ultimately, I was hoping that someone would create like a good news network yeah. Like not, so it wouldn't be called CNN, it would be called GNN. So the good news network and like all it would be, would be like stories of like people doing good things yeah. and like, maybe like, you know, like cool videos of French bulldogs, like, you know, pulling someone down the road, <laughs> something funny like that. But yes. going to your question though, uh, your question is an interesting one because um, this is actually, in my opinion, a very dangerous time for uh, sex workers, for the adult entertainment industry. Uh, adult entertainment has always been considered a high risk industry. It's always been that way. There's always been an increased level of scrutiny that's come from the general public, uh, the religious groups, the far right. right, et cetera. But now what we're seeing is we're seeing this new big push for age verification. And this is not, this is not new. And, and that's one of the things that people, you know, seem to forget that that we've already had this war and ultimately uh the first amendment won and um we frankly didn't have to worry about age verification mm -hmm. in the us but what individual states are now doing is individual states are creating their own laws that are requiring websites that display adult content or allow you to uh submit adult content uh are, they're requiring that they do a verification to ensure that every person who visits the site before they can see anything, before they can do anything, is in fact 18 years of age. The problem is, is that in the US, we have 50 different states, which means that we've got 50 different states that have the ability to pass their own laws. So, you know, we've seen Louisiana Act, we've now seen Utah Act, <clears throat> we've seen Arkansas now Act, and each law is a little bit different. And so ultimately the platform, if you're a, a platform provider out there, if you have your own website, mm -hmm. um, you are in a very brand new world now because you're sitting there and you're going, oh my God, how do I comply with all this? Right. And, and there, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of conversations to be had. There's a lot of conversations to be had about are these laws even constitutional? Um, uh, here's a spoiler alert for you. I do not believe they're constitutional. Um, but they are creating a massive headache because ultimately you got to comply with the law. You know, you, you have to comply with applicable law. Otherwise, you face the consequences. Now, the majority of these laws that are coming out uh, 
have civil penalties associated with them. Um, but we are starting to see some states that are trying to tag some criminal penalties in there as well. So, you know, it's one of those things where once again, if you're in the adult entertainment industry, you've got to get your ears have to be up, your eyes have to be open, and you need to understand how these laws affect your business. Yes, I agree. Because at first, at first glance or first here, oh, age verification. Well, that sounds like a fairly good thing. But when you start diving into it, then you're finding out that might not be. Yeah, I mean, let's make something, you know, you're, you're the, uh, Ruby, you've been like the, the candid podcaster, you have the open discussions and the honest discussions. So let me be like, perfectly candid, okay? People in general, the, the very idea of ensuring that children should not be exposed to adult entertainment I agree with that. Right. I, I, listen, Same. I'm a First Amendment lawyer. I'm a constitutional lawyer. And I'm telling you, I actually agree that we do need to keep children safe and that we do need to ensure that children are not seeing content that they're not ready to be exposed to. Right. I agree with that 100%. The problem is, is that unfortunately, these states are crossing the line. And they're using a, what's the expression I can use? You know, someone's trying to to, to uh, put a new picture up on their, their office wall and they got to hang a nail. And so all you need is a little hammer. Well, the states are coming in, not with a hammer, but they're coming in with a damn dump truck. And, right. And, and you know, in the process, they are stepping all over the First Amendment. They're crushing uh, free speech before the speech is even made. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's a major issue. And so, but the, but the reality is, is that, you know, these governments, these state governments and these politicians that pass these bills, there's a big piece here, Ruby, that they're not doing when they create these laws. And what they're missing is they're not talking to actual people in this, in, in, in our industry. Right. They think because they see something online Mm-hmm. Or they see something on the on the bad news networks because since you and I have now created the good news network, right? So while they're watching the bad news network, they're coming up with all these things, and they're and you know you're getting these these so called sex experts and adult development experts coming on and saying mm-hmm. that if a you know if a child is exposed to a breast before the age of 18, that child is going to be, uh, you know, scarred for life and they're never going to be able to function whatever. This is the sort of, of, of this, this panic fear mongering right. that leads politicians to run out to try to secure their bases. And look, I'm not going to pass judgment, but let's be, let's be honest here. Look at the states that are kicking this, this new phase off again. Mm-hmm. Louisiana, Utah, Arkansas. These are not historically very liberal thinking states, shall we exactly. say. Exactly. I was just going to say, these are like Bible Belt states. It, I'm going to say it. It, it. Listen, I'm, I'm, that's, why I lo- I, that's why I love your podcast because you're, you, you say it exactly how it is. But it, it, it's so frustrating because yeah. from a constitutionality standpoint, the majority of these laws that I've seen so far – I do not believe are constitutional. The issue is, is that these governments have gotten a little bit smarter, and I'll tell you why. 
Louisiana actually had a similar bill a number of years ago. The difference was, though, it had a criminal component to it. So because it had a criminal okay. component to it, it allowed people to immediately bring a challenge in the federal courts. And when they did so, the law was dead. That was the end of Louisiana's first try at age verification. Okay. But they learned from that. And what they learned is they said, well, we're just going to make it civil in nature. We're going to create private causes of action where people mm -hmm. can sue each other. And by them doing that, now you can't bring a constitutional challenge until someone actually threatens or sues under this law. So we have to wait until there's gotcha. some, poor, some poor soul out there, you know, gets ultimately sued or, or, mm -hmm. or is threatened to be sued. Then the constitutional challenge can, you know, can hopefully be brought so that they would have standing in federal court. And at that point, my belief is, is, is that these, these laws, they will fall. Um, okay. I, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a very calculated move by politicians because they learned from their last mistakes. Right. Right. You know, that's where we are. Where we are. They're learning to work the system. And again, that's why it's so important, I think, to do your due diligence to really dive into these issues and things that are coming up. Because like I said, you know, people who aren't in the industry, because, you know, they're not asking people in the industry, as you said, they will, you know, just Joe normal off the street will hear that, oh, age verification sounds great. Like I'm going to vote for that or I'm going to hop on that. But when you really start to deep dive, and read well, the language. Well, that's like the, you see, they should give you a Nobel prize because <laughs> you just, because they, because you basically just in like one sentence gave the perfect explanation of what's happening. And, and the best example I can give is like FOSTA-SESTA, for example. Okay. Mm -hmm. FOSTA-SESTA is a package of unconstitutional, anti-free speech, anti-sex worker, it is a, 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 a littered pile of crap that if you talk to actual sex workers, will tell you that it right. in no way keeps them safer, helps them. But here's what the government did. When you give a law a very fancy name, like the Stop Human Trafficking of Minors Act, okay, mm -hmm. it's very hard for a politician to not support that law because right. the next thing you know, they've got some journalists sticking a camera in their face saying, wait a minute, Senator so-and-so, are you saying that you actually support the exploitation right. and sex trafficking? Twisting. So you can give it the, 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 these names and you can go on TV and, and talk about how these laws are going to protect children and stop sex trafficking. But the amazing thing is the government never took five seconds to go and actually talk to the people right. that matter the most. Right. The sex workers, the performers, the entertainers, the people that are actually truly going to be affected by these laws. So that's where I think it's very disingenuous for the government to take the position with laws such as these age verification laws that, yes, mm -hmm. what this is really about is protect is protecting children. Is that what they're saying? Yes. But when you really get into the nitty gritty right. of the law, what you see is a trampling over the First Amendment. Right. Crazy. And this is why I'm not a politician or a lawyer, although I wanted to be one when I was in high school. 
I, listen, I, you know, honestly, I, I want, I love playing with computers all day. Just unfortunately, you know, that everybody had to go broke on the, the dot com bust and, that's right. You know, it's it's, it's kind of you know one of those things. We we, we it, it's it's a strange way the way life's twists and turns get you to where you are. That is true. That is true. Well, thank you for talking more about that because you know I'll be honest, I don't keep up with a lot of the pol- political stuff. I just I don't know. I just don't. But it is good to know that. And yeah, when I first got in the industry about three years ago, the FOSTA-SESTA thing came out, mm-hmm. you know, shortly after that. So it was mind boggling to me at that point. Yeah. Well, the Woodhill Freedom Foundation is leading the charge on the First Amendment uh, challenge against uh, FOSTA-SESTA. Um, as of today, when we're we're doing this interview, it's April twelfth. We're waiting for uh, to hear uh, from the courts in a very important decision, and so we're hoping for some very good news here shortly. But um, there is, as I've said before, that the, I, I've said this, I don't even know more times than I can count that this industry is filled with some of the most unique and special and strong and brave personalities, mm-hmm. and this is why. I love what I do so much because ultimately, you know, I'm here to to help the people when the government tries to do things that they're not supposed to do. I'm the guy that can, you know, stand up and say, well, stop a second. That's not going to work. Right. And, and I help these people get their messages out because there are so many performers and sex workers that 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 are and business operators that get negatively impacted by these laws that, again, there's been no consideration as to how it's actually going to affect mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. industry. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's frankly, it's what makes why I enjoy it so much. But I, 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 I've always despised bullies. I, I hate bullies. Um, and to me, uh, oftentimes uh, lawmakers and politicians can be the biggest bullies of them all. And absolutely, that's, that's where I come in. And, and so it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, there's a lot of people, who are and have, in fact, the gross majority of the adult entertainment industry mm-hmm. are filled with law-abiding business operators and people who are running their businesses, paying their taxes, following law, trying to do things mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But because the very topic of sexuality gets so much heat and you get so much negative assertions with it, and there's so many, you know, the general public's perception of what adult entertainment is and what sex workers are is so broken and, yes. and guided, you know, they, they still want to pretend that when you hear uh, adult entertainment or sex work, that you should immediately picture a, a dirty mattress in the middle of the room <laughs> with heroin needles laying around everywhere. And, and, you know, people chained up against it. This is what they, right. they want, but, that is not the reality of what the adult entertainment industry is. And this is, this is, um, it's, you know, it's a lack of research. It's a lack of understanding. Um, and it's why I'm so passionate about what I do. And I think that when they hear that, they don't understand it's a true, it's a real business. Oh yeah. You know, they don't, I think people, when they hear that as well, they think, Oh, you're just out here having sex with all these people because you're, you know, I don't, or something. I don't know. 
I would I say to people all the, I, I say to people all the time, and I, and I have clients that have invited some of these politicians. If says, you know, what, come to a shoot, come see what it right. is. Right. Oh, good idea. I've seen a professional shoot, and you know, for those people out there that think that it's like it's like oh yeah, it's just like one you know giant orgy and it's all fun and games. <laughs> No, the the number of people on set to make yes. the to, to to make sure that your lighting is correct, your sound is right. correct, everyone is safe, everything looks the way it's supposed to be, uh, you know, everything is clean, everything is sanitary. Right, right. You know, honestly, I I think some porn productions spend more money than Jurassic Park did. So it's <laughs> it's just it, for it, sure. It's, it's silly, and if you talk to actual performers, you know. Where it's like, oh yeah, you know, they just laying around having their orgies all day. They, you know, you don't understand the the prep work that goes right. into the 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 screening, the uh, the, the STD testing, the yes, you know, the the list just goes on forever. Yep. And no one ever talks about that in the mainstream. The only again, they just want to you know put up their thing and they want to put up their nice pretty you know, artwork of the, the dirty mattress with the heroin needle. Right, right. It's just so, it, it, it's so naive. It, it, it's almost, it, it, frankly, I, I, frankly, I think that some journalists should be embarrassed for, for the poor coverage they've done on the adult entertainment industry just because they've, they've portrayed it in such a way that is so outright wrong. That's a good point. That is a good point, um, for sure. So... Speaking about all this uh, work it takes to shoot, do you see any changes coming in required paperwork? Do you see like the 2257 evolving? Um, I've, I feel like I've seen a couple different versions of it being kicked around. Can mm -hmm. you speak about any changes you might see coming with that? Yeah. I, personally, with regard to 2257, I don't foresee any change in the, in okay. the near future. I don't see any change to 2257 in the mid future, to be honest with you. Um, the, the statute itself was litigated to death. Um, and it's pretty clear that were the government to attempt to charge someone with violating 18 U.S.C. 2257, that there are ample constitutional defenses there are ample uh de general defenses that can be that can be made that it actually makes it, it's a lot of work it would be a lot of work for mm -hmm. the government to do and of course we have the the ruling that the government can no longer do um warrantless searches for 2257 records to do a 2257 records inspection a prosecutor or law enforcement official would have to go before a U.S. federal magistrate or judge and seek a warrant, which means that they're going to have to establish good cause and there's going to have to be some facts to demonstrate that a crime of some sort has been committed. Okay. Um, there's been talk uh, of, you know, redrafts of 2257. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen some of them myself. I I certainly don't think those sorts of conversations are a bad thing. I think it's always good to have conversations like that, but do okay. I foresee 2257, you know, having some sort of radical change or there being some sort of radical uptake, uptick in 2257 mm -hmm. prosecutions? No, I, I don't see that. I, I, okay. I, think that, I think that it's imperative though, that anyone in the industry always 
comply with two. Oh, right. And I say this to even I say this to content producers that are located outside of the U.S. I realize it's not that I realize that USC 2257 is an American law. That doesn't mean that there aren't benefits and reasons why you should be maintaining it from both, um, frankly, a good compliance perspective mm-hmm. and even from, uh, frankly, a moral ethical ground in terms of, you know, proper record keeping. But I don't right. see 257 as, as, as really... I don't see it going anywhere. I really don't okay. see it changing anytime soon. Okay. Good. Good. Because I feel like I've seen a couple different versions, but I don't know. People there's are adding some, their own thing or. There's been some drafts that have been getting kicked around that, that uh, I think that some people would like to be proposed to mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. government. Um, I just don't, you know, quite candidly, I don't believe that that would be a very high priority to any state lawmaker right now. Right. Um, you know, again, here we are, April 12th, uh, interest rates are the highest it's ever been in my lifetime. And, you know, the jobless numbers and the, you know, uh, the state of the, the world in terms of, of world conflicts and oil prices. I think the government has a lot on their hands, and I don't think them considering uh revisions to 2257 would really be at the top of their to-do list. And, and I'm not saying that to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm just saying it is that just as a realist and, you know, in, in my job, I'm following all the, the laws and bills going forth and stuff. I just, I just don't see it being a priority. But going back to your original question, in terms of overall paperwork, though, outside of 2257, yes, paperwork for content producers has become much more complicated because the... Uh, MasterCard and Visa have have uh, reinforced um, and added some uh, rules and some requirements that have really put pressure on platforms. Now, remember, most platforms, unless you're only making money off a of cryptocurrency, accept Visa and MasterCard. And if you're going to accept Visa mm-hmm. and MasterCard, you got to play by their rules. Right, you know, right. People ask me all the time, they say, you know, can we sue Visa and MasterCard because their rules aren't fair or their rules are unconstitutional? No, they're not the U.S. government. Visa and MasterCard, they're, they're, they're in the credit card banking business. That's what, that's what mm-hmm. they're in. They're publicly traded companies that are not owned by the United States government. They have every right to do business with who they want to do business with. And, you know, is it unfair and is it potentially discriminatory the way they treat sex workers in the sex in the sex industry? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you can constitutionally attack that. That argument isn't there. But their rules have changed. And so if you want to play in the sandbox, so to speak, yeah. there's a sign before you jump in that sandbox. It says exactly what rules you have to comply with. Otherwise, you're going to get kicked out of that sandbox. Right, right. And man, if a site loses Visa MasterCard processing, ooh, that's rough. It's a tough, it's a tough go because and, and you know, this is another one of the reasons why I've given speeches all over the world about this. And I, I actually remember one presentation in particular down in Colombia that I gave where I was basically begging people, and this is probably going back six, seven years ago, I was begging them to realize that we need as an industry to do a little bit better of a job policing ourselves because Visa and MasterCard actually hold the biggest stick in the room. Yeah. You know, you got to pay attention to it because they could rock the world. And sure enough, years later, you know, look what, ha- look what happened now. Look at how many businesses 
shuttered. Look at the, you know, the large, you know, the large websites that lost yes. the ability to process and what they've had to go through. So it's, they are a, in my opinion, the biggest active threat because you remove them from the equation and you remove a consumer's ability to pay for adult entertainment with a credit card. Look, cryptocurrency is viable. I agree with it. I'm a big fan of cryptocurrency. I think the future is extremely bright for cryptocurrency, but is cryptocurrency there yet where it could really substitute for credit card usage? Right. It can't. It just isn't there yet. No, because there's people like me that are still nervous about it and bought some crypto and lost a ton of, you know, not a ton of money, but lost money. Listen, you, you, me and everybody else. And, you know, and now we're seeing the news crypto exchanges failings and investigations and right. criminal charges and, you know, people being arrested in foreign countries who ran away with billions of dollars of crypto. <laughs> it's not, a, yeah. it's not, it's not a very good look. For that, That's uh, a whole nother episode talking about crypto. <laughs> yeah. But well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, the importance of paperwork, I think, is crazy. Um, I'm a big stickler about paperwork. I As want you all my be. T's crossed and I's dotted. Yep. Think about this too, you know, Ruby, because you're you know, you're a successful entrepreneur. You have an incredible reputation. You have an incredible business. Let's hypothetically say, though, down the line, you want to cash in and you want to sell your content library, your content product to someone else. The first thing that a potential acquirer is going to ask of you is show me your performer releases. Show me your 2257 documents. I don't care if it's just solo content. If you don't have those documents, you have nothing to sell. No one is going to buy your product that is lacking in these necessary documents. So don't just think about the today. You got to think about the future and what you're going to need also. Yeah. Yeah. And I've thought about that even with my partner. Um, we have two two five sevens on each other. So, and I learned that from you. And that puts you way ahead of the game, as you should. Listen, you don't look. Everybody wants to be an at heart romantic. I mean, hey, I, I I am. Who doesn't like listening to a nice Bon Jovi song by the candlelight or whatever? But the fact, you know, the fact is, is that you know, life isn't all isn't a Bon Jovi right. song. It's not all love and happy and wonderful. A relationship is great up until the point that it isn't. It's not right, <laughs> and, and, and you know. People say that, you know, they say, well, you know, we've had the talk. Well, yeah, you're having the talk while you're both still happy and you're in the honeymoon phase. Yeah. Let's see what happens when one of you accidentally goes out with someone's best friend. Let's see, you know, how happy that conversation is going to be. You know, the talk is going to be then. It's not. Things change in life. Relationships yeah. end. People get sick people die. I know it's a horrible thing to do, but if you're in the industry, whether you're a performer, whether you're a platform operator, mm -hmm. you need to have a plan for right. how you're going to deal with things like death and capacity, uh, relationships ending. You've got to have a plan. Otherwise, if something happens in your relationship or to you, guess that what? Person, yeah. That person can't even go on to sell it. So 
Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the adult entertainment industry is high risk, but it is a business and it right. should be treated no bit, no differently than any other business that you might own. Same thing. Oh, yes. I just paid my tax bill this week. So it's definitely a business. <laughs> well, and that's a good thing, too. You know, for those of you out there, make sure make sure that you're paying your taxes. Make sure you're working with an accountant that actually has familiarity with yeah. the adult entertainment industry because some don't and don't understand the expenses that you can deduct and right, right. the requirements that you have. But yes, making sure you're paying your taxes is very good. And and uh I can check that off my my list of things I was worried about for Ruby. So we're going to take our yeah. There you go. No, I I even tweeted tax. about it. Like I need a drink now. I just paid this. I just paid this tax bill. I think I'm going to get you like a sticker, like you know, like when you vote, you have the I voted American flag thing. You, we should have something for taxes too. It should be like I paid my taxes. I paid my taxes. That's right. That's right. But but not with a smiley face, with a sad face. Like I paid my yeah. taxes. You know. That's right. I agree. Well, as we close out the show, thank you so much for all the good information and making the time to be on the show. Um, do you have any big projects you're working on this year? Anything new for your site, your website? We're, you know, the last couple months have been insanely busy. We just launched uh, Silverstein Legal Alerts. That's a kind of a new email um, service that anyone can sign up for. They can just go to my website and sign I'm up for it. Up. <laughs> and and it'll give you like anytime something major comes out that yes. something that you need to pay attention to you'll get a Silverstein legal alert that will explain to you what's going on um, for performers you know one thing that I did during COVID was I launched a pro a platform called Adult dot Law and remember people it's Adult dot Law not adultlaw.com, Adult dot com Adult dot Law. Um, and it's actually a subscription-based site because there's a lot of performers out there that might be new to the industry um, or maybe they're intimidated by having to pay big you know, legal retainers. And so it's a monthly subscription where you can subscribe and you can watch our educational videos about all different facets of the industry. Uh, some of our plans come with individual consultation time with me, and it's an affordable way to get access to legal resources that you might normally have. So we're very proud of that. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming up. I mean, for those of you who are going to be traveling, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, quite a few presentations at the upcoming XBiz Miami show. Awesome. So uh, that's going to be a big one. I hope you'll be there, Ruby, so yep, that I can. I will. Perfect. I'll be that guy walking around. Oh my God, is that Ruby? Can I get your autograph? Like, it'd be kind of cool. So, um, but yeah, but again, it's, it, you know, I always encourage people to, you know, reach out any anytime they want to reach out to me. I, I you know, I, I try to be, a pretty friendly guy. I mean, if you call me too early in the morning, maybe I'm, I could be cranky, but you know, you can always reach me through my website, myadultattorney.com. Okay. You can go on Twitter, myadultattorney. Um, you can contact me by email, phone number. However, uh, you know, Perfect. I'm always happy, always happy to talk. And, and again, if you're intimidated or, or on a budget, adult.law might be a good option for you as a performer. That's a great resource. Thank you. And I will link all that too when this podcast goes live. So. I'm actually going to do one better than that for you because you invited me on your, your podcast today. I'm going to get you a free subscription to adult.law oh. so you can have it at your disposal for no charge, Ruby. Well, thank you. That's so exciting. Thank you so much. So then when I'm sitting there watching all of your podcasts, you can sit there and watch me on my yes. adult law videos and it'll kind of be like this weird thing where we're watching each other unknowingly. Watch. Yeah. No. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and um, always informing the industry, keeping everybody up to date. That is always appreciated. Pleasure's so, all thank, mine. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you at XBiz. I can't wait. And thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care.